Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim. And I'm Noelle Cordeaux. We are the founders of Journey Coaching. We're super passionate about all things coaching and want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training over a thousand life coaches. Dive deep into a more meaningful career, find freedom, and make an impact on the world around you. Hey guys, today we're going to talk about the biggest myths about coaching. Noelle, good morning. Good morning. This is an important episode because um, I'm really passionate about squashing myths because it prevents people from pursuing um, helping other people, these myths. I agree. And I have to say that I'm really heartened because I, as we have both progressed through this field over the last decades, I think the myths are beginning to shrink, which is awesome. And I think they come from, because uh, coaching is such a new uh, a career and it's you know growing so fast that I think the myths come from what people thought coaching was when it first started. And so people are just holding on to that and not uh, exploring, learning, investigating the um, evolution of coaching. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, coaching has only been a, an actual discipline for 35 years. Yeah, which sounds like a long time. But if you look at, you know, like, say, a firefighter or a teacher, it's, it's just a, a such a small period of time. Yeah, well, I mean, let's think about it historically, even comparing therapy, right? So Freud was knocking around doing his thing pre-World War II. And that's when, you know, therapy was being taught in people's living rooms before it moved into academia. And so if we're looking at coaching kind of along the same lines, um, we're going to see different branches, just like the medical model. It's going to be expanding. Regulation is forthcoming, which I think is a, is a wonderful thing for the field. Um, and so a lot of the, the old conceptions are dying and the, the new ideas about what coaching is, who it's for, why it's effective are really starting to spring up. So let's get into it. Here's a quick perspective on, on coaching, how young it is. Um, I am older than coaching. Me too. <laughs> right. It's either coaching is really young or we're really old, and I choose to believe uh, the, the first. I think we're pretty young, John. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're pretty young. So, you know, all right. So you're out there in the world. You, you're thinking about becoming a coach. You look around, and one of the biggest myths that I hear all the time is that the field of coaching is totally saturated. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is partly due to social media. I think it's um, what we're seeing specifically because of what we're following. I mean, if you're interested in being a coach, you're interested in wellness. And so if you're only following um, coaches and wellness people and companies and all that, you're going to feel like there's just too much of this. Everyone's doing it. Oh, yeah. And also targeted ads. Right. Tar yeah, of course. Compounds everything. Exactly. And so it might appear every time you hop on your phone that you are seeing coaching. And also, if it's something that you're actively thinking about, you're priming your brain to focus on it. And so you're going right. to be more observant of all things coaching. And it might feel that um, the field is saturated. For me, one of the number one indicators that the field is not saturated are studies that have come out recently on uh, client perspectives. 
we hear a lot about coach perspectives. How do I do this? How do I build a practice? But what we're not really honing in on as a discipline is what clients think and feel and what's going on right now at this exact moment in time coming out of a pandemic and 2020 and everything that that was is that a minority of people have actually experienced coaching, but there is a growing majority of people who plan to engage in coaching. Mm. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's because um, the stigma of therapy and coaching feels more attractive? Is it because coaching is more um, commercialized? I believe that the the public's consciousness is really shifting and the idea of having a coach, hiring a coach, having a life coach, working with a coach has entered the number one, the, the public vernacular. So it's something that is commonly talked about. Uh, I think a compounding aspect of this phenomenon is that coming out of the pandemic, more people are turning inward and asking the question of what is life? What makes life meaningful? What do I want to get out of life? What do I want to get out of my future? And coaching is literally the discipline that helps folks answer that question and move towards their best self. Yeah. And I also want to say real quick, I think, and this is just from my own personal experience and story, um, the temperature is changing. I think that more people, I mean, I think that people are more interested in who you are than what you know. And I think it gives, uh, with coaching, there's more um, freedom in being who you are, as opposed to say in the clinical world where, you know, there's a lot of shiz with that. Oh yeah. And you can also give it um, the cocktail party test. When you go to a cocktail party and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a coach. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you right, know, like, right. and, it, it, and that what used to happen was I'd kind of get side eye or somebody would say, okay, well, tell me what I should do with my life. And I'm like, oh man, I don't have magic right. beans. Here we right, go. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're seeing the shift take place in real time, which is wonderful for the field and exciting for everyone. Yep. Here is misconception slash myth um, number three, and that is it's something that anyone can do without training because uh, the industry isn't regulated. So it's this idea that you can be a coach just because you want to. Yeah. And that is technically true with a huge butt. And and it's not just like a butt with a comma. This is a big butt that has like flashlights coming out of it and tap dancing with jazz hands. Um, <laughs> because becoming a successful coach requires hard work, serious study, and a business mindset. Yeah. And I just think with this, it's, you know, it's going to play itself out. So if you want to be a coach and you just make the announcement without any training, um, I, I just think it's it's not going to work because you're, you're not going to have the the confidence. You're not going to have the skills. You're not going to have the tools to actually help people. And so I think it will be short lived. I mean, you could only you could only uh, 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 go with you know um, your own knowledge or what you think a coach looks like or charisma or whatever for so long, and then the, the bottom drops out. You're so right, and you know when we peel the veil back even further, what we're talking about when we're talking about training really specifically is the theoretical roots of coaching that pull from sports psychology, goal setting theory, all sorts of different human development models, which are genuinely fascinating, positive psychology, mindfulness, and 
neuroscience. And so if you're listening and saying, wow, I don't know anything about those topics, you might want to reconsider calling yourself a coach. Yeah. And I want to say that reach alone, meaning how many followers you have on social media, um, that doesn't make you a coach. Just because you have a million followers, it doesn't mean that you are a coach now. I, I love that every single myth we have also has a sidecar of don't believe what you see on social media. Right, right. <laughs> so let's take another one. Uh, and this is something I hear all the time from baby coaches, our students at Journey, and you know, really any helping professional, is that your own life has to be in order before you right. can be a, a coach or, or be a good coach. Yeah. And I could see where this comes from, because when you look at like business coaching, you know, you have, you have to have some kind of resume, right? You have to uh, build something or sold something or, or proven yourself in some way. Or if you look at like fitness coaching, um, you know, you have to have, you know, uh, done something in fitness and maybe you have to, uh, I mean, you don't have to look a certain way, but you definitely have to practice what you preach. But with life coaching, relationship coaching, and, and the coaching that we're talking about, wellness coaching, it's its completely a different animal. It, it is. And and I even, you know, I agree with you on fitness coaching, but I, I want to challenge a little bit on, on business coaching. So my experience when I first became certified as a coach, I was 29 years old. Mm -hmm. I had no experience in business whatsoever. And I was very skilled as an executive coach. And I was working with um, executives who were almost twice my age. And right. because I was really, really good at the Socratic strategic line of questioning, I was a very effective business coach with zero experience. Yeah. I wonder how much um, you know the society's view on what coaching looks like has impacted me for, for me to Think that I've never had a business coach, but for me to have that definition, you know, probably quite a bit. And yeah. you know, one of the the big myths about coaching is what it actually is. And the work of a coach is facilitation, where coaches facilitate discovery and change processes for individuals, groups, organizations, communities, and even nations. And mm -hmm. so when we're really narrowing it down to being a facilitator, it's a job just like any other job and you need to develop technique expertise in order to perform well and your own life can be a dumpster fire as everyone's life is from time to time and that doesn't take away your professional skill set yeah i remember i um remind uh, people in our class that i started um at my lowest i started helping people when i was going through a divorce and had, had really nothing it was just you know rebuilding my life so, yeah. And just as a side note, you know, everybody has bad days. And one of the things that I love so much about the field of coaching is the ICF code of ethics, because it has so many wonderful points. But here it stipulates that if you're having a sick day, if you're having a bad day, if your life is too intense that you feel that you can't show up and perform, the standard is to call out sick, reschedule with your clients. Don't mm. force yourself to work if you feel like you're not really able to pull through. Right. Here's number five, and this is a, uh, this is kind of a fun one, um, that coaches are actually wannabe counselors or wannabe therapists or wannabe mental health providers. 
Yeah, I get this all the time. And so both you and I um, are clinically trained. Yeah. Uh, what's been your experience? Well, I, I kind of, I think where this comes from is a lot of um, therapists or people in a clinical world who have spent a lot of money, um, <laughs> a lot of time in classrooms uh, like myself and getting a lot of hours, uh, specifically around 3000. And so after they've gone on that journey, there's going to be, uh, naturally, you know, some animosity or anger toward coaches who, um, can start practicing at a much shorter time, right? They don't have to do all of that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it, having the helping professional bug is a wonderful thing to have when you want to help people and you're looking for the right way to do it. Um, I think it's important to really understand the differences between all of the different disciplines. One of the best things that ever happened to me was I happened to have gone through um, coach training. I was certified as an executive coach and I had also done extensive work studying applied positive psychology before I got into my clinical studies. And so mm -hmm. my entire lens was informed by the potential of a strengths-based approach. And I kept really just being more and more and more interested in post-acute care. Well, what happens afterwards? Well, what happens when you want to go on and live the rest of your life? Well, what about flourishing? And the medical model just didn't hold those answers for me. And so for me, um, I realized that I actually prefer to live and work on the sunny side of life and that I wanted to work in the post-acute care um, space. I wanted to work in the space where people were not experiencing psychological anguish. And, um, and so for me, looking at the medical model, understanding what it is, understanding how hard it is and understanding, you know, what, um, highly trained counselors, therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists do every day. And then looking at coaching, I was just like, oh, hell no, I want to be a coach. <laughs> but... Yeah, I can relate to that. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and kind of a, a same version for me, uh, when I started out uh, as a therapist working in treatment centers, shirt tucked in, lots of strict rules, lots of paperwork, underpaid. And I was like, I, I can't do this forever. Um, I felt very kind of uh, 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 trapped and suffocated. I wasn't able to be creative. And then when I put on my coaching ad and I started to, you know, meet people in coffee shops and do all the things that coaches do today, um, that felt right to me. That felt sustainable. That felt like I wasn't even working. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and if, as you're listening and you're, and if you're thinking about trying to decide between all of these different disciplines, that's where learning comes in. So I encourage everyone to move towards, um, the theoretical underpinnings that light your brain on fire. So for me, I can't get enough of applied positive psychology. It led me to study neurobiology, which is something I never thought I would do in a million bajillion years is get mm. interested in brains. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, at the same time, my colleagues that I went to graduate school with are really happy um, in their work as doctored therapists, and they love what they do. And thank God for them, because they help so many people on a regular basis. And so do I, but in a yeah. very different way with a, a very specific uh, and different toolbox. Yeah. And I want to say to any therapist listening, um, if you decide to be a coach, it doesn't make you less of a therapist. I mean, and, and all the stuff that you learned in the clinical world isn't wasted. You're just adding on to it. So although they are different, 
don't want you to think that uh, you have wasted your time going to therapy score, doing the hours, because all of that is just going to make you a, just a, a stronger helper in general. Absolutely. And you can diversify your practice. You can work in different ways. You can take a break from therapy sometimes. And diversifying your skill set is also a wonderful way to avoid burnout, no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, number six. uh, This is probably the biggest one that I hear. Uh, Coaches give advice. That's what we do. Not true. Not true. Not at all. So, you know, as we've been talking about uh, coaching as a skill set, it's empirically based, it's um, evidence based there. There's a lot of technique that goes into it. You need to know what you're doing. And that assumption that coaches give advice, I can understand because many professions do. If you hire an attorney, they give you advice. If you hire a financial advisor, they give you advice. Um, And in life, free advice is everywhere. It's usually shitty, but you can certainly Mm -hmm. get it from anyone on the street corner, you know? Um, So a, a definition of coaching that I really like comes from David Rock, and he he does brain-based coaching, which I guess is what I do with neurobiology. And he says, coaches help people think better. Mm. Oh, I like that. Simple. It's simple. And so, you know, why is that a valuable um, facilitation process is, is to help you think better? And um, when we really break it down, what we're doing is you're providing a customized conversation for your client that's going to help that person strategize and create a plan to get what they want by thinking and acting more resourcefully. Also, if you think coaching means giving people advice, um, man, the pressure that you're going to put on yourself, because what if that advice is not good? (laughs) What if it doesn't work, you know? Well, and I think that's something that we need to explore with this topic because sometimes the client does need consulting. Sure. So, you know, if you find that that is true, that your client literally does need, you know, professional expertise in a given area, if you're qualified to consult, do it, but create a separate contract for it and don't call it coaching because your client won't know what they're buying and you can get into trouble for fraud and false advertising. Yeah. And also, you know, there are times where I disclose parts of my story. I mean, that's one of the things that I like about coaching is you could be a little more transparent. Um, and also just me being um, active on social media. I feel like a lot of people who find me know know everything about me, but there is power in me sharing my story, but that's very different than giving advice. Very much so. And so yeah. let's, let's qualify that. So if you choose um, to self-identify or share in a session, the the standard, and this is why training is important, is the standard is that in session, you check in with yourself in real time. Am I doing this for self-validation or am I doing this to enhance the session? Right. And and that's the standard. So an example, um, I coach often on divorce recovery. I'm divorced, you're divorced. And a lot of times when folks are going through that for the very first couple months, they really feel like they're dying and that their life is over. And I can relate. (laughs) I remember, you know, what that felt like. And so I might say something like, hey, you know, I'm proof that there's life on the other side. 
Unlike Noel, I do it strictly for self-validation and ego. <laughs> so this is why this is why we have me around. Um, don't do what John said. Um, you apply <laughs> apply the standard correctly. Um, and you know something that I see happening more and more that I, I really want to raise a red flag for our listeners is don't call yourself a coach in order to negate the fact that you don't have the credentials to do something else. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, yeah. like coach, like coach by default, you're saying. Yeah. So if you're not a counselor, a psychotherapist, a financial advisor, or a lawyer, uh, don't call yourself a coach because you want to play in right, those disciplines. Right. Right. Um, it's super unethical to to do that under the heading of coach, um, and because coaches don't advise when you call your service one thing when it's really something else um that's false advertising and all of the specializations that i just listed are regulated and so yeah. you could get into some serious trouble with that guys the ante to be at the table is a certification and mm -hmm. if you are um listening to this and you're interested in being coaches uh being a coach and um you can relate to some of these myths maybe you have them yourself or you're struggling with them uh, give us a call, a journey, and we, we'll go deeper with you, and uh, we could explore if coaching is for you. Absolutely. And just I want to shout out, because I love it so much, the ICF Code of Ethics. Give it a Google. If you really want to understand what coaching is and, and the ethical practices that bind it, that's one of the things that we really heavily cover in our own intensive. Um, check out the International Coaching Federation Code of Ethics, give it a read. If you like what that document has to say, you're probably going to like being a coach. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Be well. Have a great one. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to Everything Life Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to journey.co slash everything to explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a strong community to do it in. We created Journey Coaching to equip you with the tools, training, and community you need to attain your goals. Join Journey Coaching and begin your journey towards personal freedom and a transformative state of growth today. That's jrni.co slash everything.